Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano, and thanks for tuning in to the Harpen on Rugby podcast. HarpenOnRugby.net is an unofficial fan site for Leinster and Ireland rugby, with regular coverage of the latest news and opinion via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course this pod. If you haven't already, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts as well as a host of other platforms. Right about now, I'm meant to be looking forward to the Pro 14 final at the Cardiff City Stadium this Saturday, but alas, that is not to be. Instead, we've been working on a number of different projects to get us through until the real rugby returns, like the pod of three, front five, and over the past while, we've been running Twitter polls to gauge opinion on different rugby jerseys. First, we did the Leinster ones, now it's the turn of the Green Kid of Ireland. If you tune into our Twitter account, at Harpen on Rugby, from 5pm each evening throughout the month of June, you can cast your votes. This week's pod has three hats. It's episode 54 of the Harbour and Rugby podcast. It is also episode 9 of our Retro Rugby series, where we look back over big matches from years gone by. But most importantly, this pod features highlights from episode 3 of a new Facebook Live venture between Harpen and Rugby and Three Blokes, a Ball and Bod. Myself and Big Joe Shep were honoured to welcome the great Mike Ross to discuss the 2011 Heineken Cup Final, and he gave us some great insights as to what was happening out in the pitch for that incredible 80 minutes. If you'd rather watch the full show yourself, there's a link in the program notes. So without any further ado, here's our chat with Mike Ross. to fans of the wonderful game of rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano, and I run a little website called Harpin on Rugby, but this is the Leinster Lion, and um, this is a collaboration between myself and a little thing you might know called Three Blokes, a Ball, and Bod. Welcome, well, welcome, Big Joe. Big Joe is going to join me tonight for tonight's show. <laughs> Jeff, how are you? Now, um, well, as you know, Joe, we're, we're we're here to talk about the 2011 Heineken Cup final, which we watched on Monday. Now, as you know yourself, uh, yourself, myself, Kigo, we've done blogs, we've done podcasts, we've done Facebook shows, we've done live shows, we've given Facebook comments over the years. So obviously, nobody is more qualified than us to talk about the 2011 Heineken Cup final. Nobody. But we just, but we just thought. Just maybe tonight, just to, just in case there's a couple of angles, maybe we didn't quite cover. Uh, we've got a special guest in just to just to just to kind of help us out with it with anything that we might have missed. Not that we would have. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. There's a one or two angles. So um, he played for Munster. He played for Harlequins. He only played what 151 times for Leinster, 61 times for Ireland. Went to two World Cups. Won two Six Nations, two Heineken Cups, Challenge Cup, Celtic League titles. You know, just your average. Awesome rugby career, you know. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Mr. Mike Ross. How are you doing tonight? How's everything Not too going? bad. It's a, it's a nice evening. Yeah. Um, rain stopped. Yeah. Uh, it's it's been <clears throat> interesting times, isn't it? You know. Uh, it has. It has. It's been so a I've been doing this whole working from home. Yeah, but yeah, uh, listen, thanks for coming on the show. Um, we we've been looking. To, we we did a we did a rewatch of the game on um, Monday, and uh, it was just a it's a. It's an emotional roller coaster, you know yourself. But uh, we just wanted to, you know, maybe pick your brain this evening on a few different aspects of what the what the what the game was like. And uh, obviously, the you know the first thing we just want to know is like what was the um, what was it like in the build up uh, to the match? Um, you know, usually, you, you know, uh, the the preparation for a week uh, going into a game, you're training, and there's kind of a ritual every week. But it's it's always going to be different. The week before a final, so and, and it was the first year of Joe Schmidt coaching as well at Leinster, and there was all that uh, there was all that going on. So, what what was it like in the build up to the final? 
we, we, we try not to treat it any different than any other game, you know, um, in terms of preparation. It's not like we did anything vastly different because what we've done to that stage got us to the final. Now, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can say that, but at the same time, obviously, um, internally, you know, the, the nerves were starting to build a bit. I mean, for me, it was my first final, and I grew growing up watching Monster doing wellness. So I, I like it was for me. It was kind of like I couldn't quite believe that I was actually playing in this. Um, so yeah, a few <laughs> disruptive nights sleep going into it, just the nerves because you just you just want to get there and you want to you almost want the final to be over and have won and have done it. You know, um, because like at the time you don't know how it's going to go. I mean, like we're fairly confident going into it, but you, you just never know. I think our biggest concern was that we weren't going to do ourselves justice. Yeah, yeah. It was. A, it was. A, it, it, it's always an amazing week. Like, um, I mean, for the obviously from the fans' point of view, we're just we're just giddy the whole week. You know, just uh, getting through our day, day in, day out, just looking forward to the game, whatever. But uh, just imagine what it's like. There was the there was the day itself, and you you know you you were over in Cardiff, and you do so you do your captains run and everything, and it's it's all the 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 preparation to build up. But I suppose it's not until you really you, you get on the get out on the pitch that it that it really that it really hits you. Is this? No, you know, and like uh, you're in the Millennium Stadium, I'm not gonna call it anything else. And yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it's it's a hell of a place to be, uh, especially with the roof closed. But when when you're in there with the roof closed, it gets quite sweaty. And so you know, it gets quite humid inside there. Um, it's almost like you feel you can't breathe. The ball gets a bit greasy, and um, you know, well, there isn't any rain or wind to disrupt it. You know, it becomes a bit of an oppressive atmosphere. But, uh, like, I remember doing the warm-up and, you know, just felt everyone was feeling completely switched on. You know, I mean, like, you're kind of very high levels of um, <clears throat> arousal, I suppose you put it. Uh, so, you know, we were absolutely prepared. You know that, if you think about the route we took to the final, I mean, we beat Leicester, we beat Toulouse, we had to be Claremont, uh, like we we played all these great teams. We won, uh, so like we had that kind of body of work to drop on. Definitely, and um, so 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 after all the build up and the week the week leading into it, uh, you know, it's like finally, finally, all the 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 fireworks and everything, the pyrotechnics and everything is over. And then, you know, the match, the match kicks off and, the, you know, the crowd's excited and everything. And then you just have to, you have to, then you have to focus and concentrate and get into your, your patterns and stuff. It's like, you know, was it, uh, and of course, you know, the, 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 the way the match went, um, you know, it was, a, we, we were, when we were watching on Monday, we talk about, oh, the first half versus the second half. But, um, you know, Leinster, I think Joe was saying as well, weren't you, Joe, that uh, Leinster played a lot better in the first half than maybe a lot of people think. Yeah, definitely so. I, I think that uh, it was the fact, I mean, I, I've lost track of the amount of times I've watched it, but um, in the first half, I think there wasn't, uh, it was just my city of the day, Mike said, you know, not holding on to the ball enough. We, we had the opportunities, um, but they just weren't exploited enough, and it just didn't seem to come together. The Northampton defence was pretty strong, to be fair, um, and it just it just did, never saw that it was going to happen, and they just took their opportunities. But the that whole the mental prep leading up to the beginning of the game, Mike. You know, what type of position do you put yourself in to be able to take that initial barrage and onslaught that the Saints threw at you? Well, <clears throat> I, I I suppose it was like we kind of got into a, um, 
a mental state during that season where losing wasn't really something that entered into our heads. You know, we kind of took it for granted that we we're going to win. And yeah, we might be in a bad place, but we, we always had the confidence that we had the ability to come back and um, <clears throat> ultimately win the game. And I think that that's, a, you know, that's a lot of teams across different sports have that in common, that they get into a m mindset that, well, we're going to win this and that's that. And it doesn't matter what they throw at us, if we perform, we're going to win. And um, yeah, I mean, like we we certainly weren't taking Northampton lightly, but I don't think anyone is kind of expecting their first half performance. You know, um, <clears throat> I had some nightmares about their scrum, you know, leading up to it that what was going to happen did happen. Um, but yeah, luckily we had the second half to deal with that and turn turn a nightmare into a dream. Yeah, that's the thing. that's the thing. I mean, for all the for all the preparation that you would have going into it. I mean, you you, you mentioned the scrum there. It's like when when you when you try to get yourself focused. I'd say in every, in every aspect, when when something when something isn't working or something isn't happening. I mean that you know, to, to to be able to refocus and and get on to your next play and stay with it is it it, it, it has, it's quite a challenge, especially especially when you when you are focused and you think you're you know you're confident you're going to win. Yeah, well, if, if you look at the first half, I mean, like as Joe said, we did a lot of good things. It's just kind of that that final pass, or we trying to force the issue, or there be a knock on, or something like that. And um, that was just kind of fueled in our campaign. But we we also knew that we hadn't had our purple patch yet, and they certainly had had theirs. So I, I know a lot of people kind of go on about Johnny's speech at halftime. Um, you know, to be honest, it, it was good, but I wasn't, I wasn't listening to it because I was with Greg Feek looking at scrum. Uh, but I, one thing I do remember going out with Joe Roar, and it was just, just hold on to the ball, hold on to the ball. And... I think for the first 15 minutes of the second half, that's exactly what we did. Oh, no, no question, no question of that. Um, the, yeah, the, um, the, like, like, it, like in that first half, we, we were, we were watching it and uh, like, we watch it differently as fans, obviously when we're watching it the first time, cause we're just seeing, you know, we're, we're not really analyzing when we're watching this time, but when you, when you watch it back, like after after a while, you see what you see what's going on and the decisions that are going against us. Um, the the those scrums were um, what's if you if you think that it's not going your way and you, you've got a referee that's not really um, that's it's it's you know he's made his decision he's going he's going to make the calls he is there's nothing really you can do about that. Does it get in your minds when you when you have another scrum coming or it, does it affect you? Does it did it affect you that way before the halftime? Well, like I, I went and looked back at. Um a couple months ago just and yeah we got absolutely destroyed in a couple of scrums but there's a few scrums that were absolutely fine especially early on and i i suppose like well, the mistake i made i guess in uh in the first half was big part of the game I've, I've been watching northampton all the way through because i thought they might be a potential people to meet in the final and their scrum was destroying all comers um i remember they absolutely wrecked perpignan was it the semi um, and yeah. they, they, they had this kind of very effective kind of arrowhead shape. So <clears throat> Hartley would break the bind between the tight head and the hooker, and then Tongawea would come seaming through and Mujahi come in at, at angles, right? Mm -hmm. And I, but in my mind, it, it kind of started with Tongawea. So if I, I thought if I went after him, I kept him down and out, then they couldn't get started. But that was leaving my left shoulder vulnerable. To Hartley and I was getting disconnected from Straussy <clears throat> and then they're coming piling through. And you know, so by trying to do too much, 
I was kind of like doing too little. If mm. you, if you know me. Um, so in the second half, Fiki said, look, you're getting disconnected. Just get to stay close to Straussy. Hang in there, hang in there, and, and it'll come. And yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, like you say, there's the, like when it's going when it's going that way for you, and there, and when the referee is 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 making the decisions and that and, and he's made up his mind and going that way. When you get to when, when you get to halftime and you're able to talk about it, like you say that you were sorting it out with Greg Feek and and uh, coming up with a new plan. It was, it, but 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 to then bring that on the pitch and and, and actually and, and do it and get it done. I mean, that's that's a really big deal, and it, it's you, you you notice it in the second half. The scrums they were just it was like it was like magic. It was just fine. It was sorted. You fixed it. You'd gotten the job done, and that's. That was one of the amazing things about, like I've noticed about Leinster over the years as well. When there's anything going wrong at halftime, that's where it gets fixed. And like you say, it was more than just a speech at halftime mm. that sorted all that out. It, it was interesting. Um, in, yeah. First off, when I was watching, uh, Mike says about um, the arrow they were going. Uh, I was watching Brian Majority, and he was purposely sort of turning in, which yeah. was then causing uh, uh, trying to do that. But, 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 but that was then causing the whole thing to go off to, uh, to, and then. What what got me was the was Roman Poit as the ref just I thought it was very poor watching it back the other day time and time how majority stayed on the pitch was 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 beyond me does it get mm -hmm. frustrating Mick when when Mike when you're um, when you know that there's nothing you can do and the referee is not on your side well it's not like Poit is an unfamiliar um, person to us <laughs> I mean he's Indeed. got a reputation as a scrummaging referee but he he only cares if you're going forward doesn't care how you do it you know yeah. I mean it, it's just it's the French way forward you win. And it's not like he was a known quantity in that regard. So, you know, in the second half, when we started going forward, we started getting the decisions. Yeah, yeah, that was the difference. I mean, the frustrating thing, I suppose, was watching was that if uh, if if you're if you were if you guys were giving away that many penalties, why well, I mean, why why wasn't he putting one of you in the bin or giving you a warning? If they, you know, that's that's what we were thinking. I mean, he saw he saw what Majadi did on 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 Kiamiri. And he went straight to the bin. He gave another yellow card straight away in the second half. But if there's that many penalties, it's like why? Why isn't he? Why isn't there any further sanction? You know, it's it, it was it was a it was just a it's just strange strange watching it back. I felt weird yelling at a referee at a game that I knew the score of. But I was <laughs> the two of us. The two of us were just giving out on, on Monday night rewatching it back about the match. I can only imagine what it was like for the players. Yeah, well, I suppose in fairness, it's not it's not a yellow card defense to go backwards. <laughs> You know, sure. if, if, sure. we, if, if, we, if we were collapsing or, you know, causing danger from that view, um, you say something different. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that about the halftime because... I, I do think a lot of um, a lot of stuff is made about that halftime speech. Um, I mean, you get when you hear about it, you, you picture um, Friday Night Lights and uh, all of you taking a knee and Johnny up on a table saying, "You know, clear clear minds, full hearts." But I mean, that's obviously not what what happened. But um, it, 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 but when you're when when you've been hit by that hit by a scoring like that, especially with a try right at the end. Um, it's it was good to have the combination of that, like you said. There were some of you working on specifics of the game, um, mm -hmm. but there was also a bit of rallying because you needed to come together as a team for that second half. And literally from the kickoff, it showed. 
I mean, from the kickoff of that second half, it showed. I mean, you were, you were, you must have been all really pumped up as that Johnny Sexton. It helped that he was taking the kickoff as well. You must have been all really pumped up when he was kicking off to restart that second half. Yeah, well, I was just relieved I was still on the pitch. You know, it could have been quite easy for Joe to go right. Mike's not working out. Um, Stan Wright's coming in. Um, so yeah. I knew I had a shot of redemption. You know, I mean, like, you, you grow up dreaming of playing the Heineken Cup final, you know, and for 40 minutes, you kind of publicly getting your arse handed to you. And uh, I knew that I had about probably 50 minutes to turn it around, otherwise I was coming off. So, you know, luckily that's, you know, Joe kept pace in me and that's what happened. We got a question there from uh, from Kigo, actually. Uh, Kigo, very best to uh, to you and your mum. I hope she gets better soon, mate. Um, he says to you, did Leinster coming through uh, a group of death uh, and beating the teams on the way to the final uh, fire, uh, uh, in the final fire, more confidence. Um, you said at the very beginning, the, to come back a little bit, but you said at the very beginning, Mike, that um, you had, um, you'd been watching Northampton. Um, what effect sort of, uh, what effect did it, did it have, to answer Neil's question, um, by the time you get to the final? I, I think it, given the quality of teams we've come through, I mean, obviously racing Metro and Claremont in our group, uh, we had, you know, former English champions Leicester. We French champions Toulouse, and like the fact we we now we did we did a good, good um, draw running into it because we got a home quarter final, we had a home semi final. But <clears throat> considering the, the the previous year, Toulouse had minced us in the, in the semi, um, and we we beat them by a few points in the end. I mean, it was, it was that was actually a really tough game, the Toulouse game. I mean, it was kind of back, they scored a game. About two minutes in, from a from a poxy bounce of a ball off an upright, you know, and uh, we're behind the stick. It was like a free. Here's a seven point start, lads, you know, and uh, we came back and we won that. Um, like you have to draw confidence from what you've done, and like we did not take an easy route to the final at all. And, and I suppose, like you say, once you have been through that and you've almost feel that there's a free seven pointer to start off. When you're going behind, even in the final, you know that you've come from behind before. You know that you've got the ability and the confidence there to be able to do it. It's just starting to try to put things together and go through the process. Yeah, and that, that, I suppose our thing we're taking comfort in going into halftime, twenty-two six down, is we knew we hadn't shown, hadn't played, we hadn't delivered what we've been doing all the way through. So, like, we just hoped that we, you know there would be enough time to come back. Definitely, and you, um, and I mean, we, we we just watched it as we watched it again. We noticed it was it was literally from the kickoff. I mean, he's one possession back, um, got them under pressure from the restarts. Got one uh, before you know it, you've got possession at their twenty-two, and he's just it's all clicked into gear from that moment. It was like it's like you you weren't taking no try for an answer. It was a, it was an amazing uh, just an, it's just an amazing sequence and uh, it was almost it was almost from then that it, you could just see the belief it was a completely different set of thirty players on the pitch um, you know they they would have been confident going into halftime but uh, you just you, you just blew you just blew them away it, and it wasn't just one or two bringing you through a lot of people talk about you know Johnny Sexton with his with his uh, you know leading the way with his tries and Nate, uh, you know Heinze and all that but uh, it was when you watch it it was a fifteen man team effort on the pitch. Yeah, um, and like Richard Strauss made some good carries. Uh, Shawnee O'Brien was getting on the front foot. Uh, Jamie Heaslip kind of set up the second try, which probably shouldn't have been a try, probably wouldn't be given now. Um, but it was a beautiful bit of gamesmanship and blocking off um, the would-be tackler for Sexto to get through for his second. 
And then, you know, Heinze having the confidence and self-belief to go five yards out pretty much by himself and score it, you know. And, um, <laughs> person, like, I remember, what was it? talking to Richard Strauss afterwards and he said he got smashed by their 10 Steve Myler about 60 minutes in and Myler got up and tried to give him some shit chat going like I can't believe you just got smashed by 10 and Strauss he goes I can't believe you're losing by 10 points no oh, <laughs> oh, oh. oh gosh well that's uh, that, 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 that kind of went the other way for him didn't it um, yeah. yeah no that was um, that was something else and we noticed um we noticed it like it, it wasn't just. I mean, you're very good to talk about the other people in the carries and all, but we noticed we noticed your involvement as well, didn't we, Joe? And I found this little clip in the second half. We started with a very, very, very uh, nice little clear out of uh, an opposition play to begin with. So I'd take a bit of credit for that, Mike, if I was you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he it was on Tongawe and he caused me enough yeah. grief. Staff, so there's a bit of bitterness there. <laughs> Absolutely. It must. It must. Moments like that must uh, really g you up when you know you, you've come in, you've cleared that out, and and you know you've given capacity for the ball to go out. Fab. Well, like, funnily enough, I mean, I, I used to joke, lads, anytime I carry, we're going to score because um, usually first three phases I'm not carrying, but if I end up in a carrying role, it meant we're in multi-phase, and we usually end up scoring off it. Um, just because I carried a horse, you know, nothing to do with it. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, Colin Campbell is on tonight. He said uh, the second half was just like a blue juggernaut. Um, it was indeed. Gerald Williamson, former past president at Navin, there says, uh, um, does um, uh, Mike did Mike find the uh, the inconsistency in the way the French referees were for matching comparison to Irish refs? Uh, I think he did talk, cover that before, but. Uh, that was more of a Roman Poitier situation. Um, do, do you think, is it a massive uh, difference between the Irish chefs, it, It's different, you know. I mean, obviously there's a language barrier for one thing, but I think, like, the top 14 are focused on different aspects of the game than, like, the, like the Pro 14 would, you know. So, and I'm sure there's anything you can put your finger on. Sometimes they just, they, they don't really care too much about, um, you know, a bit of mild tuggery. Because <laughs> it's pro, pro for the now that that was my time and things have changed. Like I remember playing against Claremont and I was trying to roll out, out of a ruck and they dragged me back in to give me some more shoeing. Um I think it was Heinze actually, you know, and he moved across the following year, kinda of pulled me back in to make sure that I got proper sorting because um yeah, it's, it, it's fine, but you know, they have a bit more they wouldn't care too much about the technicalities of scrum. Um, again, like I said, it's like if you're going forward, you're you're going to get the nod. Mm, absolutely. We got G Gareth Three says uh, hi, Joe. Uh, enjoying the absolute honesty of uh, uh, of Mike regarding the first half scrimmage and performance. Kigo says, was there ever a thought to collapse, uh, etc., to slow the Northampton momentum down and to come back to the first half? <laughs> well, collapse uh, deliberately. No, um, because that's the risk too. You just give them an extra. Penalty or two, you know, and, um, then, and then, then you would get a card if you've got a reputation as a collapsing team, then they might start collapsing it and just taking the penalty too, you know. So, you just generally, uh, I've got a San Fonseil from uh, Rugby Academy Island, your old friend. Uh, I've had props as roommates, yeah. they never worry about the game, uh, but can't sleep the night before because of the battle of the scrum. Uh, I want to get one over on their opposition number. I think you intimated, Mike, of that before. 
uh, that uh, you'd had uh, yeah. sort of uh, nightmares about. Is that a regular thing for you to go through? Well, yeah, like you, you I suppose um, the, the, the scrum's the ultimate test of uh, manhood, if you want, for lack of a better word. You know, I mean, there's no hiding place in it. You're either going forwards or you're going backwards. Mm. You know, um, it's probably the, one of the most confrontational parts of rugby. And, you know, so you might win and not sleep because you've had bad scrummaging performance, but equally, you might lose and sleep like a baby because you've done a job on your opposite man in the scrum. So, like, if, as long as the scrum goes well, the prop is usually happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. It's good. Do you know when the, um, when, when, when you're, when you were in the dressing room at um, half time and your, uh, your only focus really was going on looking at the analysis? Um, and looking at what you could take that advice. Um, there isn't much time, is it, during that sort of period? So, what what is what is what are you thinking? What's going through your mind uh, then when you're looking at stuff? Because it's almost it must be like a dual track of looking at the analysis and thinking, okay, I need to do that, but also trying to re recycle your mindset that you know we can still do this. What, what was it like for you? Halftime is is a bit like a mental reset, anyway. Sure. You know, you, you you talk about teams trying to get to halftime because it's the time to break and gather your thoughts and review stuff that's worked and review stuff that hasn't. I mean, <clears throat> often during games, if there was a penalty and they're showing the replay, I'd be watching it on the big screen. Um, <laughs> much to Jamie Heaslip's displeasure a lot of the time because, but like, I, I need to see what well, I couldn't see inside the scrum. You know, I need to see what, what happened because sometimes it's not always clear as to what happened. So I, I try and do a bit of analysis on, on the go. But, uh, yeah, like ha halftime can be a blessing or a curse if you're, I say Northampton didn't want halftime to come there and we, like, I, I desperately wanted halftime to come, get in and recalibrate and go again. Yeah, that, that's the amazing thing about it, that that, that you, you were able to turn it around and able to, to, to pinpoint the, uh, the, the the areas where you... Um, where, where you're able to find find the extra find the extra bits to 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 get the job done, and then in the you know the second half it was just, and the the, the amazing thing about the second half is that it, it, I mean most Leinster fans would have been confident at halftime um, that that you would be able to come back into it, but we figured well if we're going to win this, it it could be it, it, we're talking a drop goal in the last five minutes or something, but that game was over at sixty minutes. I mean, Northampton played, and they kept playing right up to the end. It's fair credit to them and stuff. But the amazing thing was is that you'd over, you'd all but shut it down in that twenty-minute period. I mean, it was that did when 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 you got to that when you got that lead at the sixty-minute mark, did you start to think, you know, you knew that you still had to play and you still had to make your tackles and stuff. But when did it start to creep in that um, that Jesus, we've done this, lads? I don't, I, I don't think it, it ever fully did until, I mean, I suppose maybe five minutes ago. You, yeah. you're like you're going well you know they're not going to score a try get back to score another try in the five minutes that's left you know um i know i think once we got ahead we weren't going to give it up again and their their body language changed you know and they were the ones being harried and make mistakes and dropping the ball and um it's kind of the complete swing of momentum really you know so maybe maybe their confidence is fragile you know that they, they had, but also you know I mean like I played in the Premiership and it's a massively attritional league, and we we're probably better managed as players than they were. So after the initial fury, they have the stamina 
given 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 what had gone before in the league to sustain that level of performance. I don't know. That's that's really interesting because um, we've had some people. In fact, uh, Darren Everett was on on Monday, and a number a number of people who were there said to us that um, actually Northampton Saints look drained when they come off at half time. Mm-hmm. Um, did did you notice that from them at all? It was almost like they'd given everything, and that sort of resonates a little bit with what you're just saying about the attritional thing. Did they have anything left? Um, how how did they seem coming off with the buoyance, or was it a bit? Oh yeah, they're they're hooting and hollering. I mean, coming off, you think they did won it? Wow. You know, they very very high state of happiness. Um, thankfully, there's another forty minutes left to go. But again, like again, the, the Premiership is like that. If you get on top, you left leave the opposition know about it. You know, and make sure they're feeling sick going in at half time. Um, but I was I wasn't too happy going in half time, but. Uh, you know, it's like we got off to a good start and you could, it's like the belief started drain from a little bit. I don't know why. I'm just going to go back to uh, one Kigo um, uh, says, there we go. Did Mike see what Greg Feek saw and did fix make sense straight away or did you put it down to it was like sometimes you just have a bad game, bad first half? No, I mean, like, Fiki was very good in small, or is very good in small details, you know. Um, so uh, he pointed out, and to be honest, like, I was getting a bit baffled myself as what the hell was going on. And, um, yeah, it, like, it's, yes, that makes complete sense. Cause he had different angles that I, had, I hadn't seen. Um, so, yeah, look, I think, I think, you know, you have to be able to change what you're doing, what you're doing isn't working. Hmm. Do you think the referees, um, do the referees, like, would they be watching videos of that in themselves at halftime? Do they check out things like that as well? And do they, you know, would they would they maybe come out and see something that was going on and referee differently maybe in the second half? Or do they just stick with what they're doing? What Do, do, do they do any analysis themselves? I don't actually know. I mean, I presume they yeah. have access, but like there's an entire team clipping our videos for us. During, live during the first half so when you come in you can look at scrums you can look at lineouts um, I don't necessarily know if the referee has it obviously you have coaches trying to get in their ear when they're coming in yeah and they might be talking to their linesman and assistant referee about what they've seen but I think that's about the extent of it I mean most of them wouldn't be scrum experts anyway yeah yeah well, that's for sure <laughs> what was the um, when was the turning point was there a turning point for you in that second half, Mike, where you thought, yeah, we have this. You know, was it, was it before the tries were scored, or was it just the point where you just thought, yeah, hey, look, we're going to do this. It doesn't matter if we score at the moment. I think the turning point was when we got that penalty off the scrum. Mm. Yeah, because they, they've given us endless amounts of grief in the first half, and now we're, we're taking our strength and making it a weakness. I think for them, that was a shock, and for us, it was a catalyst. And, you know, incidentally, that was the three points that put us to the head for the first time. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And and uh, and because, as Joe was saying, other things were working really well. The lineups were going well. Mm. The, um, you know, the general play, you were advancing the ball, you were getting in there. There was, there was a, the odd drop here and the knock on there and Northampton's defense was sound. But every, every, most other aspects of the play, even in the first half, 
we're actually clicking pretty well if if without the actual scores on the end of it. But um, so, there, it, like you say, you fixed the scrum, but there wasn't that much else to really sort out, really, was there? No, I thought like the lineup was going fine. Um, probably just our, our last pass, you know, and that's what Joe was saying: hold on to the ball, don't force it. You know, and uh, the score will come, and you just keep applying pressure, keep holding on to the ball, and eventually you'll find a hole, and that's what happened. It it, it, it was interesting when you, uh, you you mentioned some of them before. Um, in that uh, in the beginning of the second half, I think the first twenty minutes of the second half, um, the the amount of forwards that were run with the ball, yourself, uh, Straussy, um, Jamie, Sean O'Brien was like a man possessed. It was just a totally different. Every it was like fifteen. All had the right to pick up and carry, and there was people on the shoulder. Um, and in fact, there was uh, th there was there was one clip just just before the clip we showed you, where you just see a hand with the ball, and it's like it's there for about ten minutes, uh, and it's just it was just a bizarre thing to see that you just had. It was like it was an impenetrable ring around the scrum, around the breakdown. Uh, each of the forwards just had the ability to go in the belief that somebody was on the shoulder. It was just uh, phenomenal. I, I agree with that Jamie Heaslip one, by the way. That sort of little backing in there was, uh, was a, I don't think that would have been given nowadays, but there was a, there was a there was a lot of that going on in the match anyway. I mean, there was, uh, for the fir for their first try, there was a little, uh, was it Wilson or something? I think he grabbed onto Shaggy's leg uh, just a little bit extra longer and to, to create the gap. It, it was, the defences were so tight, that's that's how we were going to make the space, you know? it's uh, It was, uh, like you say, it probably wouldn't be, they probably would have been spotted by a TMO now, but it's it's all part and parcel, you know? And if they were doing it to us, it was probably good to, 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 to have a go at them yourself in the second half, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was kind of a little bit of gamesmanship a part of the game, you know, whether you're hold the guy into a rock for a second or, you know, you, you, you lie on top of a guy a bit longer. You know, if, if I ever could get to scrum half, I'd make sure I'd sit in for a bit. You know, so the next the next breakdown with Blade or, um, again, you know, hold on, to, hold on to their seven so he doesn't get to the next breakdown to try and slow your ball down. I mean, one thing Joe was really good with is if, if you were worrying about an opposition player who's a good poacher, he makes sure we run at them. So whenever we played against Ulster, for example, if you, if you, the ball carrier would look for best scrum cap, make a beeline for him, so he'd have to tackle. And if he was tackling, he couldn't be poaching. Little things like that. When um, when, when you're on on field during the game, um, was there a difference between the amount of talk in the first half and the talk in the second half, or was it is, is it was it just the same? You know, from 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 players on the pitch gene each other up. Uh, I think probably, you know, as the game went on, we grew in confidence. There's probably a bit more chat going out. I mean, there's plenty of chat in the... It's like anything, there's dips and lulls in it. Uh, I, I think when you're when you're on the back foot, then you, maybe people might chat a bit more because they're trying to recover what we had. When, when you're going well, you might chat a bit less because you're just, you're just doing it on instinct and muscle memory. You just know what you're doing. So, but like... You, you try you always try and reinforce uh, when you ha when you have a good spell you try and reinforce it you know lots of arse slapping and back and hugs and the rest of it to try and uh, keep 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 the spree the core going. It was it, it was certainly a, a team that was just it was packed full of stars. Um, was there anybody that you felt was um, from from that team a squad at the time was underestimated? For, for sort of the the contribution. Yeah, like like Leo Cullen never did a lot of flashy stuff. 
you know, but he always made the correct call on the line out or he was there to make the carry or, or the clean out. Like, I remember when we played Ulster in the 2012 final, they made the line break early on the first half. And somehow, I don't know how the hell he did it, Leo got up from the rock with the ball and ran up up off the pitch. You know, I'm sure he was offside or something, but Leo had this kind of invisibility cloak sometimes when it came to referees who didn't spot what he was doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was off the amount of analysis he did in opposition, like the line out. He ran like one of the, one of the best line outs in Europe when we were playing, and uh, amount of analysis, and you can see how that's carried it through into his coaching career. Uh, the one, the one question I want to ask as well, it's to do with it's to do with after the game. And see this T-shirt I've got on. Like we 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 bought this after the game and um, booted on down to Thoman Park the following week. Now the result didn't go the way you know the way we would have wanted we won't go into we're not going to talk about a different game but how do you when you've when you've gone through that roller coaster of a match and you've won the pinnacle of European rugby especially in that way how on earth do you just pick yourself up for another final the following week I mean Lenster did this on a regular basis throughout that throughout throughout the decade but it was this was one of the first times that 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 he's had to do it I mean how you, you talked about every week was the same as everyone else. How was that week after the final, when you when you when you done to that? But then you had to you still had another major final to play the following week. No, that was certainly difficult. Um, just considering we kind of probably celebrated fairly well. You know, because you have to take your uh, victories when you get them. Uh, I, I know. I mean, like we went down. I remember we went down to Munster and we were in the game for about sixty minutes and then they pulled away. It was um, like that was a game Munster couldn't lose. Or they weren't going to be allowed to lose. Do you know what I mean? Because they're down Thoman Park. Yep. There was a lot of emotion around the game because um, uh, their conditioner was quite... And he unfortunately passed from over neuron disease afterwards. And, uh, like, Munster thrive on occasions like that. And I suppose when we went down, we are still kind of a bit giddy from... No, we went down there with every intention of winning. Right? We went down, mm. you know, we wanted to do the double. We wanted to finish the season on a high. Because uh, we found out a couple of times when we won the high cup and then lost the... Magnus League as it was at the time, um, it kind of left a sour taste in your mouth for the entire summer. Even though you had won the Heineken Cup, you, you still want to finish on a high. And yeah. um, unfortunately, you know, we we were on the wrong side of uh, a few few our Magnus League losses, our Pro 14 losses. What is the sensation like from when the ball gets hoofed out? You know, you've won to them picking up, putting your hands on the trophy. Talk us through that, because I think that's what people will, will want to know. What's that last bit like, that last phase? Uh, pure, pure euphoria, initially, uh, followed by an overwhelming sense of relief that you've done, <laughs> that everything you're worried about, as, you know, all the, all the things that you were fretting about, you know, you, you, you've, got, you've got that medal. You know, you've got all the work you put in has been worth it. And uh, then, you know, you do, you do the lap of honour, you see the family in the crowd. Um, I was able to bring my kid on the pitch. He was only about at that time. No, no, eight weeks, 12 weeks old. You know, I, I got a nice picture of him inside the cup. He's standing in about an inch of beer, but uh, <laughs> um, no, it's it, 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 exactly what you do. Exactly what you play rugby for, you know. That's precisely what you play rugby for. So, 
Um, and I, like I said, I'd grown up watching Munster winning and playing in the Iron Cup and to finally have a medal in my own pocket and be a winner myself was just an incredible feeling. But like the interesting thing was like uh, uh, so after we had the presentation and everything, I think once I got once I got into the dressing room, I still started feeling nauseous. I started feeling sick. I think I was probably just due to all the nerves and the occasion of the day. And, but um, I actually had kind of partially separated my shoulder during the semi-final against Toulouse, and. Um, I, like I've been running on adrenaline, and that was wearing off, and you know that started to hurt a lot. But yeah. it was a good day. Well, that was brilliant. Um, listen, we're going to wrap it up there. Really appreciate you coming on, Mike. Um, it's been a great, uh, it's been a great chat. It's been great comments coming up there and questions, and uh, it's really great uh, sh sharing this all with you. We hope hope to have you on again at another time when there's some actual actual rugby like. From today, like current rugby on the pitch to talk about that, so must be looking forward to getting back and watching some uh, some real rugby. Yeah, so we'll yeah. See. I mean, I think when it uh, comes back, everyone's going to be looking for definitely. Mike Ross, thanks very much. Take care, Jeff Pagano. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Big Jeff. Got a meal, I guess. Slangerfall.